Tonight I am teaching a, about a, a series about your new life. How many of you have ever sat in here, you cannot have come to this church for very long without hearing my dad talk about being a new creation, amen? How many of you understand what that means? When you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says that you become a new creation. Now, a lot of people think of that as something symbolic, and tonight we're going to talk in detail about what that actually means. Yes, it is symbolic on some levels. Your old spirit goes away, and, and, you're, and it's replaced with a new spirit. But that verse actually means so much more. I want to read it with you. If you'll go with me to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16. It says, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, most of the time when we, we talk about the new creation, we just look at verse 17, which says, therefore, if anyone be in Christ, we are, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Most of you can probably quote that verse. And that is the verse that we use a lot of times when we talk about accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We talk about that when we enter into that personal relationship, we become a new creation in him. Our spirit man changes. The old spirit man is gone and the, the new spirit man comes in. But we very seldom look at the verse before, which says, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. We regard no one according to the flesh. Old things have passed away and all things are new. Now, most traditional word of faith teaching teaches us that when we become a new creation, when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, that your spirit man becomes new, that your spirit man is saved. This is true. But what it fails to teach us is that it's not just our spirit man that is saved. It's our mind and our body that are saved as well. And, and unfortunately, a lot of people miss out on a part of their identity and the, in, in the new creation because they don't understand that they become a new creation in their mind and their body as well. They simply focus on that they are a new creation in their spirit. This is wrong. When we, when we segregate the areas, we rob ourselves from receiving the total salvation that Jesus came to give us. How many of you want to receive the total salvation that Jesus came to give you? I do. I do. You know, I talk to Christians all the time who are so frustrated. And why are they frustrated? They're frustrated because they think that the word is not working in their life. And you know what? Maybe it's not. But you know why it's not working in their life? Because they don't understand it. They don't understand it. And when you don't have understanding, you can't release your faith for something. So I want to understand how to have my total salvation. I don't want just a new creation in my spirit. I want a new creation in my mind. I want a new creation in my body. I want a new creation in all of me. Amen? Because I want to function in my total salvation. The word salvation is defined as the act of saving or protecting from harm, protecting from risk, protecting from loss and destruction. So Jesus, when he died on the cross, he died to give you a complete and total salvation. He died to protect you from harm. He died to protect you from danger. Amen? 
So tonight we're going to talk about how to enter into a new way of living. How to enter into a way of living where I am functioning in my total new creation. Where I have an understanding of my total salvation. When Jesus died, ladies and gentlemen, he suffered for your complete salvation. Now religion tries to tell us that he suffered for part of our salvation and that we have to earn the rest of it. But that's just not true. Jesus suffered for your complete salvation. Now, I think it's pretty narrow of us to think of God and to think that he only died on the cross to save my spirit. No, he died on the cross to save every single part of me. Amen. He died on the cross to save my mind. He died on the cross to save my body. He died on the cross to save my family. He died on the cross to save my life in Jesus' name. Amen. So that is what we are here to believe for. We're here to believe that we have a complete salvation. There is nothing left to be done. Amen. You know, one of the things that I think is so frustrating is that we get an idea in our heaven about Christianity because we don't understand all of what the Bible is teaching us. We allow ourselves to think that what's not working for us is going to happen for us one day in heaven. And yes, there is perfection for us in heaven. But you have the ability to walk in that perfection now. You have the ability to live in complete and total salvation now. Not one day, not someday, not when you're lucky enough to die and go to heaven. No, you have the ability to live in it now. Why? Because Jesus came to give you a complete and total salvation. We have to believe about it. He did not just come for us to have eternal life. He came for so much more. He suffered for all of our salvation. He suffered so that we can have a complete salvation. He suffered for your mind. He suffered for your emotions. Jesus took every ounce of that on him on the cross. He took every ounce of it on him on the cross so that you could be free from it. Now, I was listening to someone teaching the other day, and it was so interesting to me because I had never thought about this. But, you know, when Jesus went into the garden and he was sweating drops of blood, I'm sure all of you are familiar with that, right? Jesus was perspiring, and there was blood coming down. You know, medical professionals say that that's a very rare occurrence, but the way that that happens is that when your body undergoes just an extreme amount of stress... Your sweat mixes with your blood and your capillaries are bursting and so blood begins to come out. Ladies and gentlemen, when Jesus was in the garden, he was sweating blood. He was suffering for you. He was suffering for your worries. He was suffering for your mind. He was suffering for your anxiety. He was suffering for the stress and the depression that tries to come against you. That's what he was doing. When they put that crown of thorns on his head, Jesus suffered. But he suffered for you. He suffered so that you could be free from depression. Amen? He suffered so that your mind could function according to the way that it's designed to function as a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's why he suffered. When he went to the cross, when they beat him, when they hurt his body, he suffered in his body and he suffered for you so that you can walk in divine health, so that you can live 
completely well. Not just well enough to get by, completely well. Jesus bore every single one of your infirmities on that cross. He took every single one of your diseases on that cross. He bore those things for you so that you can be free. Your, amen. Your salvation is complete. It is not lacking. Jesus redeemed us. He redeemed us in our, on the cross. He redeemed us through our salvation. He redeemed us in our soul. He redeemed us in our mind. He redeemed us in our intellect. He redeemed us in our emotions. He redeemed us in our bodies. When Jesus suffered on the cross, he suffered so that we can be healed, so that we can be completely well. Isaiah 53, verse 4, if you want to turn there. It says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Now, I'm going to focus on something that you probably never paid attention to here. In verse 4, how does it start? It says, surely. It doesn't say maybe. It says, surely, it says, surely he bore my sicknesses, surely he bore my pains, surely he bore my sorrows, surely he bore all of those things on the cross. You know what the word surely means? The word surely means firmly, undoubtedly, inevitably, or without fail. There is nothing missing in your salvation. It is complete and total because surely Jesus bore it on the cross. Amen? Surely he redeemed you from every single one of these things on the cross. Amen? You have to have confidence in your salvation. Your salvation means that you are a new creation. It's for every part of you. It's for your spirit. It's for your soul. It's for your body. It's for your mind. It's for your intellect. It's for your emotions. It's for your entire being. It's for all of you. It's for every single worry that you have. So therefore, let's go back to our original verse, 2 Corinthians 5.16. Therefore, we don't see people anymore as the old person. Tonight, I want you to stop and think about something. When you become a new creation, you have to make up your mind not to look at yourself as the old person. Amen. You have to give no attention to your flesh. You have to give no attention to the old, the old creation. It says we don't regard the flesh. We regard no one according to the flesh. You don't regard others according to the flesh either. Now, does that mean that they've changed overnight? Absolutely not. But it is our job to regard no one according to the flesh anymore. Why? Because when they become in Christ Jesus, they become a new creation, and the old creation is passed away. So therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. But Shannon, I accepted Jesus, and I feel the same. I feel exactly the same. That's why this verse says, from now on. We regard no one according to the flesh. This is a process. You know, the, the thing you've got to understand about your walk with Jesus is that it's a walk of action. 
A lot of people just have total failure in their relationship with Christ. And you know why? Because they won't take action. The Bible says if you want to be blessed, you've got to sow seed. If you want to live as a new cre- creation, you've got to disregard the old. It's an action. It's a conscious decision. It's something you have to do. It is not something that is just going to magically pop into your mind or magically pop into your heart, which unfortunately is what most people accept. They come down front, they say a prayer, and they think, poof, I'm different. Right? Poof, it's all fixed. All my problems are gone. And you know what? They walk out to their car, and the car still doesn't start. Because the problems don't just go away. Your life in Christ is a life of action. This stuff's only going to work for you if you take action, if you do what it tells you to do. So the Bible's telling us here to pay no attention to the old man, that from this moment on, give the flesh no regard. Pay no attention to it. The old things have passed away. Now, what are these old things? We're going to study that out tonight. We're going to find this out by comparing Bible to Bible. If you've been coming to church here for any length of time, then you understand that that's how we study the Word. We compare Scripture with Scripture here, right? So that's how we're going to do it. This is the best way to interpret the Scripture. Now, we've been taught all of we've been taught that the old things are our spirit man, and yes, this is true. But there is more to what the old things are. And that's what we're going to learn tonight. So, and the reason we need to learn this is because, again, our walk with Christ is a, it's a lifestyle of action. And we cannot begin to see those old things pass away unless we release our faith and we believe that we can have them. We have to release our faith and begin believing that those old things in our life are gone. Amen? So we're going to look at the book of Revelations, and I know that that scares some people, but if you were here when my dad taught the series on Revelations, he taught that the book of Revelations is actually the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, people try to spook it out, okay, and they try to make it like it's this scary thing about the end times, and and it does talk about some of that, but the truth of the matter is, is that most of Revelations is symbolic, most of it just symbolizes things. It's not actually some scary thing that's going to happen. Most of the stuff that's in there is symbols. And to be very honest with you, a lot of it has already happened. A lot of it is already realities. And so I encourage you that if if you don't understand the book of Revelations, don't just go start reading it. Go get the teaching, okay, and learn it the right way because it will confuse you and scare you. (laughs) And there's no point in that, right? Get the understanding that you need. But tonight we're going to go through it. I'm going to give you an example. In the book of Revelations, John says, I saw the Lamb of God having seven hearts. Now, when John writes that, did he actually see the Lamb of God with seven hearts? No, that's ridiculous, right? The Lamb of God doesn't have seven hearts. What he saw was Jesus. What John is describing is Jesus. And the heart that he's referring to symbolizes Jesus' uh, authority and perfection. It symbolizes his strength. The number seven is used because it was considered the perfect number. So this is what what John is talking about is that he saw Jesus and he saw him in all of his authority, all of his glory, and in his perfection because Jesus is perfect. So that's how you have to understand the book of Revelations. There's also another part in, in Revelations where it talks about that there's a giant 
And this giant has one foot on the land and one foot on the sea and on the sea and he's holding a book and that this giant has dominion over the sea and over the land. But what the giant symbolizes in that in that passage, the giant is symbolizing the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ. What the book is symbolizing is the New Testament, our covenant of grace. It says in there that that the giant is standing over the land and the sea and he has dominion over the land of sea and that there's a rainbow above his head. And what that rainbow is symbolizing is a rainbow mentality. And when you study that out, what that means is that this giant is symbolizing the body of Christ and that there will be a time where the body of Christ goes through the earth teaching the new covenant of grace and teaching it with no condemnation. That's what the rainbow mentality symbolizes. And that's exactly what's happening now, amen? We are teaching from the New Testament. We're living in the the new covenant, which is a covenant of grace. And in that new covenant, we live free from condemnation. Amen. Amen. And if someone's trying to put you under condemnation, then they're wrong because you have the right to live free from condemnation. So getting back to what are the old things that have passed away? Let's go to Revelations 21. We're going to start in verse 2. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her, her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death. There shall be no more sorrow. No more crying. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and they are faithful. So here we see the same wording that we saw in our original passage. Jesus is saying to us, behold, I will make all things new. And in the verse before that, he he goes on to tell us what the things are that are going to pass away. He says there's going to be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, and no more pain. For the former things have passed away. Now a lot of people get into this verse and they think that, This is talking about the fantasy time when New Jerusalem is going to come down from heaven. And yes, there is going to be a day when when God brings Jerusalem down here and we all live and reign in it. But what you have to understand is that when you study this out in verse 3, where Jesus talks about the tabernacle of God is with men, that is us. We are God's tabernacle. Okay, God is with us now. This is not something that is going to happen. This is something that has happened now. We are the tabernacle. We are a part of the new Jerusalem. That is a spiritual city. And because you are a child, a descendant of Sarah in the Bible, of Abraham, that you you live under the new covenant, then you are free. You belong in the new Jerusalem. The old Jerusalem symbolizes bondage. It symbolizes the law. Do you understand that? It symbolizes the the pre-grace of God. 
We now live in the after grace of God. Amen? Because we live in a time where Jesus died on the cross. And when you become a, a member of his family, when you accept him into your heart and you make him Lord of your life, then you become a part of the new Jerusalem. You become a part of, of his kingdom here on earth. Okay? So everything that is in this verse is for you now. This is not something that's going to happen down the road. It's for you now. And you've got to accept that. You've got to believe that. You've got to understand that so that you can release your faith. We are God's people today. This is not something in the future. Now, one day, yes, we'll walk on streets of gold with him and we'll be in heaven with him. But, but we are living with him today. Amen. And if you don't accept that, really accept it into your heart, you're going to miss out on so much that God has for you. You are living with him today. So what has passed away? God is telling us here in this verse what happened when we became a new creation. It says, God will wash away every tear from our eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. Ladies and gentlemen, this includes disease. For the former things have passed away, and all things are new. Amen? All things are new. All things are new. This is the same thing that we read in 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So that's where we, we can go to compare scripture with scripture. We can understand that those former things that have passed away are sorrow, pain, crying, suffering. All of those things have passed away. They are gone from our life. Now, why do they exist in my life? Well, we're going to get into that. I'm sure some of you are here and you're thinking, well, I accepted Jesus and, and I, I still have pain. I still have crying. I still have sorrow. Yeah, they exist, but they exist until you release your faith and you, believe, you begin to operate in your new creation identity. Amen? Because the Bible clearly tells us that when you became a new creation, that Jesus wiped away every single one of these things from your life. He redeemed you. He redeemed you completely and totally. Therefore, you have the right, you have the ability to live free from pain, free from sorrow, free from depression, free from crying. Think of all the things that make us cry. We have the right to live free from that, amen? I'm going to believe for that. Are you? I'm going to believe that I live a life that is free from pain, free from sorrow, free from crying, and free from death. We've interpreted the Bible with Bible, and we've learned that old things have passed away. So we today are new creations. Everything about us is brand new. Now I want to go on to verse 6, Revelations 21, verse 6. And Jesus said unto me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. This is not something that you have to wait for. It is done. When Jesus was on the Christ, he said, it is finished. Amen. Old things have passed away. It is finished. 
Your complete and total salvation is done. Death is done. Pain is done. Sorrow is done. Jesus took care of it on the cross. Amen? You are redeemed. All of those things have no place in your life tonight. If you are a new creation in him, they have no place in your life. But again, you have to believe. Everything about you is brand new. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Are you in Christ? Amen. Listen, in, in, in the Old Testament, Jesus, talks, uh, Abraham, Jesus is talking to Abraham. God is talking to Abraham and he tells him, walk with me. Why does he tell him to walk with me? Walk close to me. Why does he tell him that? Because, because that was as close as Abraham could get to Christ, was to walk next to him. When, when Jesus first came to the earth, he told his disciples, follow me. Why did he tell them to follow him? Because he hadn't died on the cross yet. They couldn't be in him, but they could follow him. He wanted them to be close to him. But you have something that is so much greater. You are in Christ. You're not walking with him. You're not following him. You're in him. Do you understand what that means? Stop and think about what does it mean to be in Christ? In Christ, you are nearer to God than you can ever be. In order to really grasp this truth, you've got to really stop and understand what it means to be in him. The word in means use to indicate inclusion within. So as a child of God, you have inclusion within Christ Jesus. Inclusion within Christ Jesus. You are in him and he is in you. You are in him. That means you're seated at the right hand of the Father. He's in you. You are in him. That means that you have all of the power and authority that Jesus has. That's in you. You're in him. That means that you have all of the excellency and all of the strength that Jesus has. That's in you. Because every single thing that Jesus is, you are. Every single thing that, that defines his identity, everything that we worship and praise about him, you have all of those things inside you. Because you are in Christ. When you become a new creation, you step into Christ. You have complete and total inclusion in Christ. You are in him and he is in you. In Genesis, it says that you were created in God's image. So God designed us to function as he functions. And then later on, he came and he said, I'm going to do something so much better. Not only are you made in my image, not only are you designed to be like me, I'm going to put you in me. I'm going to give you my identity. I'm going to influx your life with every ounce of who I am, with every ounce of my spirit. I'm going to influx your life with that. How awesome is that? You are in Christ. You cannot be closer. There's nothing you can do to get closer to Christ. When you become a new creation, you're as close as you're going to get. But you have to open your heart. 
you have to open your mind. Again, it's not just about the prayer that you prayed when you came down front. You've got to take action. You've got to allow Jesus to consume every part of who you are. You've got to begin to see yourself as being in him. You've got to begin to define yourself as being in him. You've got to pay no regard to your flesh. You've got to put it behind you. You have to begin to see yourself as in Christ. And amen? Amen. The Bible says that we are joint heirs with Christ. Now, I was thinking about this. You know, Prince Charles and Prince William, I'm sure you all follow this, right? They are heir apparents. They are not joint heirs. They're heir apparents. So basically right now, they don't have power. One day they will because they're the heir apparent. But what you have when you are in Christ is so much greater. You're a joint heir. That means that you have all of the power now. You're not waiting to get it one day. You are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's go to Romans 8. Romans 8, 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified here. So this is telling us that if we are children of God, then we are heirs according to the promise. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So today, you are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I want to, you to stop and close your eyes and picture yourself as Christ. Do, do you picture Christ sick? I don't. Do you picture him broke? I don't. Do you picture him depressed? I don't. When I think of my Lord and Savior, I think of him in his power. I think of him in his perfection. I think of him in his excellency. I think of him in his strength. I think of him in his abundance. I think of him in his prosperity. I think of him in his health. That is who you are. You are joint heirs to everything that Jesus is. Joint heirs to everything that Jesus is because you are in Christ Jesus. Amen. This verse tells us that we are joint heirs. That's a present tense verse. That's not something that's going to become ours one day. We are not heir apparents. We are joint heirs today with Jesus Christ. In the new creation, we read that there is no death. You know, Paul, says that the belie- Paul said that the believer doesn't, doesn't die. He just falls asleep and changes location. That's what he said. You know, Paul actually had power over death. If you go and you, and you really study out Paul's life, Paul had power over death. They stoned him three times and he lived. He had power over death. In Philippians 1 verse 23, Paul writes, he says, For I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart, to depart and be with Christ which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in flesh is more needful for you. So Paul's saying, I'm, I got a choice here. I'm in a dilemma. Do I go to be with my heavenly father? Like, like he had power over death. Like he could choose when he was going to go. But he says, but you need me right now. So I'm going to stay. 
That's how much of Paul's identity in his new creation that he understood. He understood that he had power over death. He eventually died as a martyr. But it was a choice that he made. And when, when he finally died, it was because he was in a hurry to get to his Lord and Savior. And when he died, he didn't die until he said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my race. I have kept the faith. So, as, amen, as children of God, we have power over death. You are a new creation in Christ. And in that new creation, you have no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death, and no more curse. I want you to say this with me. I am a new creation. I am free from pain. I am free from bondage. I am free from sorrow. I am free from death. I am a new creation. I walk in my new creation identity, which gives me the same life as Christ. Amen. So some of you are thinking, if this is true, why do I still see believers who suffer and that are in pain and have conditions in their life? Yes, in heaven you will have a new body. The Bible clearly tells us, us, us that, that God will give you a new body. But what it also tells us is that everything else about you, you already have. Everything that's inside you, you already have. God's not going to add something to you when you get to heaven. You already have it. You're not heir parents, you're joint heirs. But in order to live in that new creation, you have to believe correctly. And if you don't believe correctly, then that new creation will not manifest itself. It will not. Remember, this is a relationship of action. You have a call to action. So how do we begin to see our new creation become a reality? Go with me to Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43, verse 18. It says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Behold, I will do a new thing. If you want to begin to live in your new creation, you have to quit considering the things of old. If you're still remembering the old things, then the devil is still there, and he will gladly accommodate you, and he will gladly manifest himself. Amen? If you want to live in a new creation, then you can't consider the things of old. Because if you do, the devil is going to accommodate you. When you became a new creation, the devil didn't go anywhere. The only thing that changed is that you now have power over him. But if you sit back and live the same life and consider the things of old, then the devil will gladly manifest himself in your life. He will gladly manifest himself in your life. So you have to not remember the former things or consider the things of old. How many of you have ever heard people say, oh, well, you know, when, I re when you reach 40, your body just doesn't work the same way. When you, you know, when you get this. I mean, when I was pregnant, my gosh, people were coming up to me all the time. You know, when you're pregnant, this happens, this happens, this happens. It's like scary. 
But you know what? None of those things happened to me. And you know why? Because I didn't receive them. Amen. Amen. I didn't receive them. When people tell you that when you're 40 years old, you're not going to have any more energy. When you're 60, you might as well retire. Well, if you take it on, good for you. But you're living in the things of old. The Bible says not to consider those things of old. If you take ownership of them, though, they're going to manifest themselves in your life. So if you want to live in the new creation identity that you are entitled to live in, then you have to not consider the things of old. When you feel pain, you've got to say, I am redeemed from pain. I have no more pain. I'm a new creation. When your checking account says there's only $5 left, you've got to say, I am not broke. I'm blessed so that I can be a blessing. I'm free from being broke. Amen? When depression starts to come on you, you've got to say, you know what? I have the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ says, I'm free from depression. Amen? Amen? You have to say, I'm a new creation. And I'm not going to take it. From now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And old things are passed away. You have to believe that you're a new creation. Now, this is a church of faith. Amen? We know what believing is. So you've got to believe that you are a new creation. Even if your body tells you you're not, even if your human experiences tell you you're not, even if your sensations and your feelings, even if your emotions tell you you're not, you are. You're a new creation. You have to believe it. You have to believe that you are a new creation. Don't consider your flesh. Don't consider it. Don't allow your mind to go there. Don't consider your flesh. You have to affirm your new creation. You have to believe your new creation. You know, I'm going to share something with you. When, when my mom passed away, I really felt that, like, depression coming on me. I did. I, I think that's human. I remember being in the bathtub one day and just feeling like the room was closing in. I, I just sat there and cried. I mean, my mom was my best friend. And you know what? It would have been very easy to give in to that. It would have. Everything in my life was telling me to give in to that. I had this beautiful baby girl, and my mom, that's all she wanted. And she wasn't there. It would have been very easy to give in to that. But you know what that would have been? That would have been the devil manifesting himself in my life even greater than he had already manifested himself. And that is why, that is why I'm passionate about this. Because I began to understand that I was a new creation, not just in my spirit, but in my mind. I'm a new creation in my mind. I can live free from that depression. Am I sad? Yes. But you know what? I'm also mad. And we're going to do something as a family to reach more and more people for Christ. Even though the devil came at us, I'll tell you what, he's not going to keep winning. Amen? And if I give in to that, if I give in to that, then that's exactly what I'm allowing him to do. That's exactly what I'm allowing him to do. So you know how I got out of that? I just went back to what I had been taught my whole life and what my mom had taught me. 
I confess the word. I have the victory. I have the victory in Jesus' name. I have the victory in Jesus' name. I'm free from depression in Jesus' name. I'm not sad. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. God will restore back to me everything that was stolen from me. He will restore it back. Amen? That's how you begin to see your new creation manifest in your life. You've got to learn to walk by faith. You can't walk by sight, ladies and gentlemen. If you walk by sight, then you might as well lock yourself up in your house and stay there and hide. Because this world's a scary place. You've got to walk by faith and not by sight. You've got to begin to see things that be not as though they are. What do you have to lose? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. You've got to see people that way. You've got to begin to see the good in people. There's nothing wrong with seeing the good in people. When you begin to see the good in people, it inspires faith in them. And it helps them to see who they are in Christ. And you will also reap the same thing in return. The more you believe it, you you will see it. You have to believe the truth. What is truth? The truth is in Jesus Ephesians 4 verse 21 says, If indeed you have heard him and been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You must learn to walk in your new creation. You must learn to recognize fact from truth. When you go to the doctor and they tell you they, you have a disease, that's a fact, but it's not the truth. The truth is eternal. Facts are temporal. Amen. The truth is what you can't see. That's why the Bible says to walk by faith and not by sight, because what you can't see is true. Your eternal salvation, you can't see it, but it's truth. Amen. What you've been taught by Christ is truth. Walk in truth. Your truth is in Jesus. And he says to you today that you are a new creation. Put off the former conduct. Put off the old behavior of the old man. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. I can't be grumpy. Why? Because I'm joyful. I'm a new creation. I can't be sick. Why? Because I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. I'm a new creation. I can't be depressed. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. How do we get rid of that old behavior? We renew our mind. Listen, this weekend, if you come back to church, I'm going to teach you how to renew your mind. But tonight, I want you to leave here understanding that the most simple first step in renewing your mind is confessing the word of Christ. Amen. It doesn't matter what is inside of you. It doesn't matter what you're feeling. It doesn't matter. If, you, if, you, if you're broke and you don't have money, then you speak the word. I thank you, Father, that you supply every single one of my needs in Jesus' name. And if you have to say it over and over and over then you do. You can't say it once and believe it. It's not going to get in your heart and become a part of who you are. You got to say it over and over. And you know what? You got to say it out loud. You got to hear yourself because your mind is powerful. And if you want your mind to submit to you and you want to be renewed in your mind, you got to confess the word. 
And you got to hear it. And the more you hear it, faith comes by hearing and hearing. The more you hear it, the more it's going to become a reality. But it will not be a reality. You will not see it until you say it. You will not. You will not see it until you say it. The old man has passed away, but the thinking and the behavior of the old man still exists. But you are a new man. You are strong and powerful in Christ. Everything that you need is inside of you. Tonight, you have the power to break free from bondage. You have the power to break free from from every evil attack of the devil. I'm going to give you one more example and then we'll close. When, When Lazarus was in the tomb, Jesus went. When they called Jesus to come and pray for Lazarus, you know, he was already dead. And that's a horrible situation. I mean, I get called to go to hospitals and pray for people. And I'm telling you right now, I don't want to go pray for somebody that's dead. Not fun. Not. But Jesus went. And what did he say when he got there? He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He didn't say, I think I am. I hope I am. I'm going to pray and let's see what happens. I'm going to try it out. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and life. If you study out Jesus throughout the Gospels, every time he was going to manifest his power, he spoke it before it manifests itself. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. When he was going to perform a miracle, he said, like when he went to the blind man, he spoke to the blind man and he said, I am the light of the world. And the blind man saw. Because Jesus was sure of who he was. He was sure. Without question, he knew who he was. So he said it. And when he said it, he saw it. And ladies and gentlemen, tonight, if you leave here with one thing, please understand this. Please remember this. That you have the same power, the same ability as your heavenly father. You have the same power, the same ability as Jesus Christ. The same man that spoke to Lazarus and said, I am the resurrection of the light and the life. And that man got up and came back from the dead. You have that same power in you. It's in you. So tonight, take ownership of that power. Take ownership of that power. Begin to renew your mind. Begin to see yourself as being in Christ Jesus. Not just serving Christ Jesus. Not following Christ Jesus. But living in Christ Jesus. And living in him with a complete and total salvation that lacks absolutely nothing. Amen? That lacks absolutely nothing. But gives you every single ounce of power and spiritual authority that you need to walk in in victory in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Did you learn some things tonight? Amen. You can stand. I want you to say this with me. I am a new creation. I am am the righteousness of God. I am completely saved. Every part of my body must submit to the victory that Jesus gave me. Jesus bore all of my suffering. I will live a life free from bondage. I will live a life free from pain. I will have no more crying. 
No more sorrow. No more disease. No more devastation. Because I have the victory. Because I am in Christ Jesus. And I am complete in him. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information on teaching materials or questions about our church, please visit us at alfc.com or charlesneeman.com.